A History of Bedfordshire Mencap. The National Association of Parents of Backward Children was formed in 1946, an organisation we now know as Mencap. You will hear from parents who contributed to the development of the Bedfordshire branch of the organisation. First, one of the founder members talks about her experiences of caring for her son with a learning disability before the advent of the society and how the society was set up. Well, my name's Brenda Nixon, and I had my son in 1955, and、uh, I was just told that he was、uh, a Mongol, as they were called in those days, and there would be no future for him. He'd probably die when he was five. He wouldn't probably, well, shall I say, he'd probably not live longer than five. And the best thing for us to do was to put him in an institution, which, of course. Needless to say, my husband and I were just so horrified. We just picked up our bags and left, and had a good. Well, I had a good weep. Of course, I think I spent the first two years crying. And we were just left then, and at that time, of course, nobody acknowledged you to any great extent. My mother-in-law wouldn't acknowledge that there was anything different from Roger, that except he had a bad heart. And I was referred to Hammersmith, and he went in for the investigation to see, X-ray the heart, see what holes were in it. When we went to collect him, the specialist said that、uh, he was very sorry, but he couldn't do anything for、uh, Roger. And in any case, he would still be a Mongol. And it was the last remark that really shook us because we knew perfectly well he was going to be a Mongol. That could never be repaired. In those days, the baby clinic was once a month in the village, and the health visitor notified my husband and I that there was going to be a meeting in the town of people interested in setting up a branch of the society for. The parents of backward and handicapped children, and would we like to go? And I think my son was four months old then, so it was very early on in the circumstances, and we said yes. I can't remember how many people there were there. I was the only one with a baby. All the others had practically, you know, growing up children. And then, the, so they de- decided then to form the branch of the society. There was no such thing as respite care or carers or anything at all. There was just nothing. And so the aim was to see about that, helping each other. We were it was a self-help society, of course, and to try and get. All of them recognised as people. You see, respite care was the culmination of、um, a long effort, because the first sort of respite was having a night out at a club, and that was one evening that the parents had without their offspring, and that was the first sort of off- of respite for the parents to get. Initiated into letting their children go somewhere, where they weren't in charge of them, and that was another. That was another thing. You see, 
and the society with the people, the members that ran the society uh, were, were adamant that there's no reason for their offspring not to have a club to go and meet like other children other people did and have activities of their that they could do Brenda's husband, Jim, became chairman of the society and, along with other members, he worked hard to improve the facilities and services available to their children. As Faye Bunyan explains, respite for parents and breaks for families were their priorities. Whenever parents got together, one need appeared to be, and it came up time and time again, was holiday accommodation, where we could take the children, they could have a holiday in private without being stared at, um, where they could take the other children as well, because many of our children never had a holiday, especially the more handicapped ones. Um, we, we fancied a, a caravan or a holiday chalet, and eventually Mr Nixon tramped round East Anglia looking for sites, and he came up with a site of a chalet in um, Winterton. And having got it, he said to me, you've made more noise than anybody else about this. There it is. You look after it. So I, I had the job of furnishing it with the help of um, quite a lot of local businesses that were very, very generous. Social services, yes, were a little bit... Um, it's not going to work, and I hope you know what you're doing, but, but we ignored those completely. Uh, some parents said they wouldn't use the chalet, and they gradually came round to it. Brenda is certain that when it came to establishing provision for parents and children, the voluntary sector laid the groundwork for the statutory services. A lot of the services that are there now really are developed from the fact that they started as voluntary services. I mean, who would have thought of them putting a swimming pool in St John's? I mean, we used to take the boys, you see, holidays and they went swimming and, and naturally Jim thought, why can't we take have to go swimming with them? And he got permission to have a swimming session at um, the college on a Saturday morning, 12 to 1, when nobody else wanted it, um, providing we had to supply our own over, uh, supervision, of course, and everything. But when it was first mentioned, I can remember her. They said, good heavens, you're not thinking of taking these sort of children swimming. That was the attitude. Who on earth do you think will go to look after them? You went like a bomb. After they became aware that their son Sandy had a learning disability, Anne and Michael Toombs also became involved in Bedfordshire Mencap. They believe the society did provoke changes in care provision for those with learning difficulties. Yeah, well, I think MenCAP's been very important to right from the very beginning. I feel that it was pressure from parents and from parents' organisations that led to the complete change we've had in the last 50, 50 more than 50 years, uh, in a time when people just went into an institution, to the position we're in now where people have rights and have a choice of uh, occupation and a choice of residential provision. As it developed, it, it um, did get a lot of people involved whose um, relatives were in the institutions. I, I refuse to call them hospitals <laughs> because they're not really hospitals at all, they were just institutions. And um, they took a different view. Uh, they felt that uh, 
you know, the provisions should be centred around them. They could improve them, they thought, a lot, but they didn't really uh, envisage the complete shift in the basis of provision that, that did develop eventually. We strongly promoted um, residential care, and that was enough to alienate a lot of the people with relatives in the hospital, because they didn't want that. I mean, I think the Education Act in particular was is the most important... Um, and the uh, Chronically Sick and Disabled Persons Act as well, the change from health to social services, was all part of that recognition that there should be services in the community, and I think that was largely because parents were saying, we want something better for our children who are in the community, and we don't want them to go into institutions, and we don't think that's the right place for them. With the closure of the long-stay institutions, people with learning difficulties necessarily achieved a greater visibility in society. But voluntary societies like Mencap still found prejudice in health and social care. Um, one of our members um, needed a cataract operation and uh, the local hospital refused to do it, as we were told. And so we quite simply said, right, we'll raise the money to have it done privately. Um, we will give this maximum publicity and uh, we'll march up and down outside the hospital waving banners. And the hospital, and presumably the consultant in question, just changed their mind. And I believe the operation was carried out fairly quickly. Uh, and they, they, that was just the watershed. Um, before that, they wouldn't, or at least they were extremely careful about admitting people with learning disabilities. In order to create greater awareness of people with learning difficulties, it was important for MENCAP to disseminate information and create a supportive network of parents. One of its most successful ventures has been the Welfare Visitors Scheme, thanks in part to committed volunteers like Beryl McLennan. I think Mr Nixon probably thought there was a need for a Welfare Visitors because a lot of people didn't come forward to join MENCAP. Um, they weren't involved so there's lots of people out there with, with children and adults with a handicap that, that weren't getting help and support. I mean, it was obvious social services couldn't personally visit every family with a problem. So um, he came up with this idea and he got together with social services. So it wasn't just, you know, him on his own. He, he, he did it properly. With We had a member of social services all the way in the planning stage and everything. I think it's made a lot of difference. Um especially as befriending, because a lot of people... Um, I think sometimes you'll think the only one. You're the only one with a handicapped child or adult. You're the only one, you know, coping. And then you find out there's more. And another way it's helped is with benefits, because a lot of people were not getting their right benefits. They didn't know what benefits they should have, and nobody told them. Beryl recently won an award for long service to the society. She's seen the community she serves change, presenting fresh challenges. At one time, I don't think I had any Asian families on my list at all. Um, now, I think about 10% of my list is Asian families. I mean, it did start at St John's School. They got a group together to get Asian parents together because they really felt they were isolated, especially in their community when they did have a handicapped child. And they asked me to go along as a welfare visitor to advise on grants and benefits, that type of thing. And that's how I initially got to know families, Asian families, and that's many, many years ago, and I'm still visiting them. Things have changed because um, we've now got Asian families very much involved. I find that the children, school-aged children, tend to translate if, if the, the mums haven't got much, you know, English language. But it's, it's all worked out quite well, really. 
the move towards complete integration into the education system and the community has been welcomed by many parents, though some regard these developments with caution. It's going too far with the idea of progressing towards normality because, after all, people have got a learning disability or a mental handicap, and so they do need a lot of support and, and help. Uh, and I do think that it's up to the um, younger parents now who've perhaps come up with greater expectations to see if those things can work in the future. Younger committee member Kim Bell says there's been a definite shift in expectations. I do feel that sometimes um, at committee level, often it's views of older people with learning disabilities that are being aired. There, there's not a lot of new people coming in with younger children. Um, for instance, going back to education, a lot of new parents wish their people, their children, to be. Uh, to go to school within the local community, whereas the um, people with older children uh, fought for special schools and that's what they wanted. But uh, the current law does say that children should be going to their local schools. Our aim is for Simon to be able to be as independent as possible, living in his own flat with or without a friend. Um, to be able to go off to work two or three days, to go off to college two or three days. Um, Barnfield College gives a good service every Friday. He goes now with his friends. So he has his leisure, his social activities, as well as an independent um, but useful life. He does have a lot to offer. And terminology also provokes debate between the generations. I think it was last year they had their 50th anniversary and I had hoped as a parent um, that they would take that year to change their name because MENCAP, we all know what MENCAP you know, stems from and I just think it's a wrong impression. Mentally handicapped is not what we want to hear. And if you listen to um, client groups, people with learning disabilities who meet together, they don't want that term either. MENCAP's aspirations have developed and moved on. Founder member Brenda Nixon hopes this process will continue. It's only the people involved in the problems that can see ways ahead. And as new ideas come, I hope that they will be accepted. You see, the whole attitude of the world and the approach is so, has jumped so much, you know, that uh, I just hope that it goes on. From the Open University. For more information, go to www.open.ac.uk forward slash use.